0: Matthew chapter 6, verses 6 through 9, but you, when you pray, go into your room, and when you have shut your door, pray to the Father who is in the secret place, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. And when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Therefore, do not be like them, for your Father knows the things you have need of before you ask him. In this manner Therefore, pray, our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Lord, we thank you for your word, and we thank you, God, that you would anoint the speaking of it. We pray, God, that you would anoint the hearing of it. And we pray, God, that you would speak from your word into our spirit to enhance and increase our capacity to communicate in powerful ways with you. Teach us, God, to create space in prayer. Everybody said? Amen. All right, you can be seated. Everybody say, when we create space for God, it becomes a creative space where God does the supernatural and fulfills his purposes. One more time when we create space for God, it becomes a creative space where God does the supernatural. And and fulfills his purpose. And if you can read that today, congratulations, you have 2020 vision. All right. It's a little eye test. All right. Everybody I say it one more time, when we create space for God, it becomes a creative space where God does the supernatural and fulfills his purposes. So one of the most important spaces that we create space, if not the most important, is in our prayer life. Amen? Where we intentionally create a space to create space, that God can make a creative space. It may say, prayer involves creating a space in which I can create space that God makes a creative space. One more time, it say prayer involves creating a space in the natural. Through which, God, through which I create space in the spirit so that God can do something supernatural in that space. Now, I'm not going to bury the lead. I'll just tell you at the beginning, my purpose in this message is not to give us information. My purpose is based on an assignment that I feel in my spirit That the Holy Spirit is saying, I want my people to create space for prayer. I feel God drawing. I feel God compelling me. I feel the Holy Spirit drawing us to say, you know what, whatever it takes, I want to take the next step in creating a space for prayer in my life. Amen? Listen, if we don't create space for prayer or create space for God, the enemy will find things to crowd your space. Why is it important to learn uh, how to create space in prayer? Because, again, if we are not careful, our life gets pushed in on. The space we create in prayer has the ability to prioritize the things of God in our life. Amen? Amen. So Jesus made this clear, Matthew chapter six, verse six. You, when you pray, go into your room, and when you have shut your door, pray to your Father who is in secret place, and your Father who sees in the secret will reward you openly. Is that we have that scripture up there? Matthew chapter six, verse six. Okay, if we don't uh, write that down in your notes, Matthew six and verse six, you find those three components of what we just said. Everybody say prayer, prayer. involves creating a space creating. in the natural. So I can create space in the Spirit, right, through my words, that God can make something creative through, amen? So Jesus said, you, when you pray, number one, create some space, go into your room. Everybody say, God wants me. Say it strong. God wants me me to to create a space in the natural Isn't it interesting that Jesus began this discussion about something so spiritual with something so practically natural? I mean, there's hundreds, if not thousands, of scriptures about prayer, and Jesus starts his teaching on prayer with a very practical, natural observation. He's saying, y'all going to need a place. You're going to need a room for it. I found that my prayer life is stronger when I plan and have a place for it before I go to pray. How many of you love to have coffee every morning? How many of you got a place where there's a coffee pot? A place where you got your coffee grinder? A place where you got the beans? A place where you go and buy them? We prepare for our coffee, don't we? Becky's back there with her coffee saying, amen. Amen. We prepare for our coffee because we know the reward that will follow, which is that people don't die the first half of your day, right? So I use that kind of as an illustration. We kind of, we, in order to have coffee every morning, I've got to do something. I've got to prepare a place. So like, seriously, what if I woke up every time I needed coffee and said, how do I get this? Coffee stuff you talk about. Where do I get this delicious drink? If I did that every morning, you'd think something wrong with him. No, I, I have a place for it. It's a daily part of my life. I prepare for my coffee probably how I should prepare for my prayer life. Everybody say, get a place. Right? So I, I don't want to get stuck here, but how many of you would love to see More of God's movement in your life. How many would love to see more of the creative power of God in your life? I'm going to tell you where it starts is this decision to say, you know what? I'm going to get a time and a place, and tomorrow, that's my prayer time. That's my meeting with God. Our problem is sometimes we have a meeting with Facebook or Instagram, and we don't meet with God. I mean, you know the draw, I think the first thing you get up in the morning, you start looking through, and people said this, and I can't believe they said that. And can you believe what they're doing to the president? Can you believe the impeachment? And the next thing you know, in 20 minutes, we have had junk poured on us in a time that we could have had glory poured on us. Everybody say, prepare a place. So I think one of the keys of of really increasing our spirituality, we don't talk about, is just really getting disciplined in our natural lives. I mean, think about it. How how many of you get a paycheck every two weeks from a job? (laughs) How many of you, if you didn't get a paycheck, you wouldn't be going to that job tomorrow? How many of you would love to donate your time to the place that you work? So think about it. What we do is, you know, we'll get up 6 o'clock in the morning hurry to get in the shower, get our cup of coffee, get into the car. We're wiping sleep out of our eyes. We will go work eight to nine hours, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, the following week for one reason, there is a reward at the end of our discipline. And watch what Jesus said. If you will shut the door and you will pray, the Father will reward you openly. I wonder if we don't pray, number one, because we haven't disciplined ourselves to have a place and a space and a time. And the reason we haven't disciplined ourselves is this we're really not convinced that there's a reward at the end of that journey. But can I tell you this? I believe in 2020, the Holy Spirit is drawing us into a space, in a place of prayer that is going to become a creative space that is going to affect not only our two. Tuesday and our Wednesday, but our 2020, our 2025, the next generation of our children and our grandchildren are going to be rewarded because we say, I'm going to create some space in prayer that's going to radically open up the windows of heaven for God to create things. Somebody give God praise if you believe that. So uh, before I move on from this, so that you're not discouraged, Create a space that works for you. Start with 10 minutes, 15 minutes, 30 minutes, whatever it is, and watch what God will do. Amen? So I want to kind of go along these lines of this whole return on investment uh, because I do believe prayer is a little bit like uh, anything that we uh, engage in that requires an investment in that we usually invest only in those things that we see a return from, right? right? Have you ever had people that you tried to hang out with and you hung out with them and it just wasn't clicking? How many of you called those people the next week and the next week and the next week and said, let's go catch a movie, right? When, when relationships aren't feeding us, what do we usually do? I mean, we don't have to be angry. We just we, we tend to gravitate towards those that add value, Does it make sense? Uh, The reason why the gym is filled in January and it's like, you know, it's like tombstone in March is because in January, everybody's inspired. But the moment it becomes tough, the moment that the pain of change becomes greater than our revelation of the return on investment, we quit. So the, the minute that or the moment that the pain of transformation, whatever that transformation is, exceeds the revelation of our return on investment, we quit. So I hate to bring it, but here's our, our brother down here who was a Mister Ohio, natural Mister Ohio, right? And you had to work for that. You had to work daily. You had to eat certain things. You couldn't eat other things, right? There's certain things you had to do, but you were convinced that if you did these things, it would result in a certain type of physique necessary to your goal. So when I start in the gym in January, I don't always last past January. I know it's hard to believe looking at this physique right here that this is not a usual gym goer. And so I'm like intermittent, right? I'm intermittent because what usually happens is life begins to come in on me, but I'm not sure that I have the revelation or the commitment to the type of return on investment that would come if I would have the same sort of discipline this brother did. So so let's just make it practical. Why do some people pray more than others? I believe it really comes down to a revelation that my prayers can change things. We shared this yesterday in the men's meeting. I said, if somebody told you, uh, we need you to get up and we need you to uh, read this book for an hour every day at 5 o'clock in the morning, and at the end of two weeks, we'll give you $10,000. How many of you would not miss a day? You follow what I'm saying? And hear what I'm saying, I'm not speaking this from the professional, I'm sharing as a fellow struggler. So that would be like a no-brainer, right? I mean, that's why you go for your paycheck, that's why you work every, every day, every week, why? Because you know, if I go in, and I work, and I do what the boss wants, and I, and I don't do anything stupid, and I can be productive, at the end of those two weeks, I'll get a paycheck in, in whatever it equals, so I have a revelation that the pain of going to work and the pain of working with people that aren't always easy to work with will eventually pay off. And so I get up and I do it. Can I tell you the reward of prayer is so much greater than a $10,000 check at the end of every two weeks. Now let me, let me kind of jump in here right now and give like a, you know, a, a parenthetical. I am not preaching that you should be legalistic. And that's what we want to get into. I'm not preaching you should be legalistic. In other words, Jesus made it clear in his teaching, he said, you're not heard because of your many words. Right. So the other side of that is, it's like, I don't have to get up and pray every day because I need to get a word count in as to how many words I need to say and how many times I need to pray the Our Father or my confession, all of those things. God is not up there saying, I need to get a certain word count before I'll answer your prayer. Because prayer is not about convincing God of anything. Prayer is about doing certain things and taking a time of our day to move into alignment with Him so that the intentions He has already determined can begin to flow through us. So prayer doesn't change God. Prayer changes me. Amen? Amen? The reason why there is a great reward is not God saying, yep, you got your time in, I'm going to reward you for it. The reward is the space that I create in the natural to come in and learn the ways of the Spirit in prayer, change what I hear, my ability to hear God, my ability to speak with authority, my ability to take the time for the Holy Spirit to begin to work through me in the first moments of my day that will set my day. How many of you have had times before where your prayer life has been stronger? Maybe it's strong right now. And how many of you have had times where maybe life occurred and and it wasn't quite as strong? Let me ask you a question. Did you notice a difference in how you live the rest of your day? I was meditating on this uh, subject this week, and again, I shared some of this yesterday. I heard the Holy Spirit say to me, say that one of the things that prayer does is it provides an environment where I can speed up your recovery time. You know what the frustration was when the Buckeyes played Clemson? My number one, yeah, everything, besides refs. We'll pray for them later. So... To me, the number one frustration in watching the last couple of Buckeyes games was this, and, and tell me if you agree was that darn knee injury with Justin. How many of you watched it, and, and you 're just like you 're thinking he, he can 't run like he was, and you knew because he couldn 't run like he was that it took away some of his ability you know to, to for the pass game, all of those things. And so you find yourself hoping, we're listening to those of us who listen to the sports talk radio, we're listening for this house's recovery coming along. Is two weeks going to be enough for him to get his knee back in space so so that when he gets to uh, the game against Clemson that he is fully recovered? Some of us, listen, we've got things we're trying to recover from because life hurts we get betrayed, we get hurt, we go through trials, we go through struggles. And watch this, if we don't have a place where there can be healing, where God can begin to work in our heart like he wants to do in prayer, we will walk through our life injured. And when you play injured, you don't play to the degree of effectiveness that you could. Somebody say amen. Your, your, Your marriage struggles when there are unhealed parts of you. Your job will struggle when there are unhealed healed, Parts of you. Listen, when the pressure comes, if if you've lived long enough, you realize this. What pressure does is it reveals the unhealed parts of our soul that we end up acting in ways that if we are not careful can begin to sabotage the very season that God is wanting us to be blessed in. Somebody say amen. And the answer for it is not to say, God, give me another season so I can try again. It's to say, God, I know you're going to give me an opportunity to try again, but this time I I need you to heal the part of me that messed that previous season up. And I want to tell you that prayer is where God begins to heal the hurts on the inside of us. He can speed up the recovery time so that this time it's not the same old man coming into this new season. I've got some things healed in me. I've got some confidence in my spirit because I've been with God. God, in the place of prayer, and the Father has poured out the healing balm of the Spirit that has caused me to recover so I can perform where God's taken me next. Somebody give God praise. All right, how much time do we have? All right, we'll jump into this. Everybody say intimacy. intimacy. When I do this, I'm not frustrated with you, I'm frustrated with me because I've got so much in my notes here. So we talked about last week, remember 2 Corinthians chapter 3, where the two kings came before uh, you know, the, the enemy army and they, they got into their journey and there was no water for the troops. How many of you remember that? troops or the animals? And the prophet came and the prophet said this, you dig a ditch and by tomorrow, there'll be water all through this valley. And when they dug the ditch, the next day water flowed from Edom and filled up all of those ditches. So that three things happen. When the water filled the dish, ditches, their army and the animals were refreshed. Number two, God used it as a picture of His faithfulness to say, "What I did in these ditches, that's an easy thing, and because I did this, you believe me, I'm going to completely annihilate the enemy that has come against you." Number three, the Bible says, when the enemy looked at the water, they didn't see water. That which refreshed the people of God, they saw blood. And I resist the urge to preach there, but I just want to kind of compare this. What if we looked at prayer like digging ditches? What if I begin to see my prayer life as the first thing in the morning that I do? Not as a reaction to what the devil did yesterday. But to say, God, I'm going to dig a ditch right now through my words that you will fill. That's going to do three things. Number one, it's going to bring refreshing when I need it in the future. Number two, it's going to serve as a sign to everybody that I walk with that God is a God of miracles. And number three, what you fill in that ditch with, with in result of my prayers, you're going to make it a creative space that whatever you do, when the enemy looks at what you did, they're not going to see refreshing. They're They're going to see something that looks like the blood. They're going to see the covenant power of the blood of Jesus because I've created a space in prayer. So what if we begin to look at prayer like that? Digging a ditch. You say, well, can prayer be defensive? Absolutely. Absolutely. How many of you use prayer as a defensive weapon all the time? How many pray this about one or two, maybe 200 times a day? Jesus, help. I'm not saying you shouldn't do that. If you need some help, call on his name. But at this point in my life, I'm not just interested in reacting, I'm I'm interested in preparing. I'm interested in praying in such a way that I'm not just praying for next Sunday, I'm praying for next year for this church. As a father, I'm not just praying for my children in their 20s, and, and you know, I'm praying for my children in their 30s. I got two little grandbabies and others, hopefully, that are coming at some point. I, I got others that are coming and and because I love them. And, and I'm not just praying for them when they're two, I'm praying for Ezra when he's 20 seriously, how would we approach prayer if we begin to look at it differently to begin to say, you know, like Becky, you're praying for grace, but you're not just praying for her now. and You're praying for her and what she's struggling here in her teenage years, whatever that struggle is. But you also have the ability to pray 10 years into the future and say, God, I'm going to get up every day. Holy Ghost, give me some downloads. Show me where my baby's going. Show me where the enemy is going to attack her. Not next week, 10 years from now. Give me that download now so I Can take out a shovel and begin to dig a deep ditch with my faith that the word of God and the water of the spirit is going to flow in. Come on, somebody. I'm going to dig a ditch in prayer because when the Holy Spirit flows into that space, I'll be refreshed and all the enemy will see is the blood of Jesus that he can't cross, that he cannot defeat. Somebody give God praise if you believe that's possible. They say, dig a ditch. You know the first ditch we dig? I feel like I got old. I got Abraham Lincoln's glasses up here. (laughs) Whose head did they create? They were the right price. So here's my premise, and we'll walk through this in the next couple of weeks. Because people say, all right, so i got a I got a place in prayer. i got an appointment with God. Yeah. And we set the alarm, and we go into the room, and we sit there, and we say, what now? You ever prayed, and you knelt down, you prayed, and you thought, oh, this has been at least... An hour of prayer, and you look up, and it's like two minutes. (laughs) So Jesus said, when you pray, pray this. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debtors, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. How many of you know that prayer? By heart. So that prayer can be prayed in like, you know, 30 seconds. I believe what Jesus was giving, and I'm not the first person you probably heard teaching on all of this. But Jesus is not preaching or teaching us words that we can say as if it's a magic charm. I believe what he has given us is an outline Or, as my engineer friend down here, as blueprints for where to dig ditches. When you pray, say, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Every day, dig a ditch of intimacy. From intimacy, flow into authority. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. A ditch of authority. Pray in such a way that you are releasing my authority at 5 a.m. that will be seen at 5 p.m. Give me something to flow into. From authority, move to your provision. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now give us this day our daily bread. Dig a ditch in prayer that I can respond to your words and bring you the things you need in the natural to sustain you. Move from provision to forgiveness. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, intimacy. Dig a ditch. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Dig a ditch of authority that I can flow into. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us, give us this day our daily bread. Dig me a ditch that I can bless you through. And Lord, forgive us Our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Dig me a ditch or create a space where I can work on your heart. To receive my forgiveness and give my forgiveness. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Dig a ditch where I can align you to lead you from temptation into my purposes. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Dig a ditch for my praise. Because when you dig a ditch for my praise in your life, you have a perspective that there is no enemy that can take what I have given to you. You can clap. (laughs) Clap for the word. But you know what we do? We wake up and we grab for these things. And we start seeing anything but intimacy with God. We start filling ourselves immediately with problems. Even something as simple, did they like it? Why are they not liking it? Why why have they not been responsive? is something the enemy can work in our lives to solidify fears of rejection. And the next thing you know, he's got you in your first 20 minutes and you haven't even gotten out of bed yet. That's why David said, early do I seek thee? Seek thee. How do we seek him? Take a ditch. Intimacy, Authority. Oh, I'm not going to get to where I need to get to. Is this okay if we take this slow? And, and, and Again, I feel my assignment of the Holy Spirit is to get us to a place where something, at least a part of us, buys into. I can pray and it will work. I can pray and my kids' lives will be changed. I can pray in such a way that generations to come will feel the effects of my prayers. When Elijah came to a generation that was serving Baal, who had fallen away from the worship of Jehovah, you remember that he called down fire from heaven, He's going to call down fire from heaven, but before he can call down fire from heaven, he had to go and restore the altar of the Lord that had been broken down. There could be no renewing fire without a restoration of the altar. And when the enemy comes to steal the work of God in our lives, he will always start at our altars, which represents our place of prayer. I was um, in Los Angeles for vacation. We were in Southern California. I tend to do strange things on my vacations and um, don't judge. I just do a bunch of stuff that, you know, (laughs) I've always wanted to do. And so on this last vacation, I found myself in the last um, two days drawn towards three places in LA that are memorials to this whole pentecostal charismatic movement how many are familiar with of course the pentecostal movement 500 million believers today identify themselves uh, as spirit-filled christians which you know believe in the gifts of the spirit so forth and so on so if if you roll back about 120 years you did not have that movement you might have had pockets of people that believed in the supernatural, believed God could do things. There was an event uh, that occurred in Southern California in 1906 in a little mission on Azusa Street, Los Angeles, California. And so I went to three places, and the first place that I went was a little house in Bonnie Bray Street, still there. Prior to the Azusa Street revival to where uh, they, they met in this mission, and for... As I understand it, three years, 24 hours a day, people came by the hundreds, by the thousands, because there was an outpouring of the Spirit of God where miracles were occurring. Uh, They said that many of the immigrants who had come from different nations would rush to this little stable now converted to a church house, and they would come in not not speaking good English, and and some of the mostly virtually all uneducated people who were in this mission who were native to America, uh, they would begin to speak in other tongues, and as they spoke in other tongues, these immigrants would hear messages from God directly to them. I read an account to where there was, uh, I believe, a newspaper reporter from the LA Times that went out to write a critical story, but as he came in, he heard in his native tongue a message from God perfectly that read his mail, and he said, I can't write a negative word. I've got to give my life to Jesus. That was the kind of miracles that occurred in this Azusa Street revival. That actual place where the revival took place is no longer there. They do have a sign that commemorates it. And... uh, what most people don't realize is prior to uh, that, that meeting, there was a meeting in a Little House on Bonnie Bray Street. Little House, still there. I, I went, and I've been there before, and I've always been outside. It's kind of gated, and they you know, commemorate that the revival took place here. Nobody lives there right now. And would you know, we got there, and there was somebody there to let me in. I actually got to go into the house. Perfectly preserved, the piano that uh, William J. Seymour's wife played on when the Holy Spirit came is still in that room. And as I was walking in that room and I walked back down the steps and I'm on the street and I did a little you know a little video for our fast and prayer and I was sitting there contemplating this I thought These people aren't even here anymore, and I'm here to see the house that they were in because they created something in prayer that is still being talked about generations to come. That's powerful if you think about. The book of Hebrews talks about a people who walked in faith that they being dead yet speaketh. When we talk about this whole thing of prayer, and here's what I want to get into your spirit, is I said this yesterday to the men. I'm not quite sure we know who we are. We, we tend to define ourselves by this history that we have that is less than stellar, and we know our history better than anyone else knows it. So when we begin to commit to the place of prayer, the enemy will rush in before we even get to that place and say, who do you think you are coming in and trying to pray about anything? You're going to pray? You're in need of prayer. Are you even saved? Did you realize what you said yesterday, and the next thing you know, you have like a bucket of cold water poured on your inspiration, and since it feels better to sleep in than to get up and get you know, whatever it is beat out of you by the enemy, we tend to neglect the very place that hell fears the most. But can I tell you the place that hell fears the most is when ordinary flawed believers who are still trying to figure it out crawl out of their bed in the morning and say, God, I'm going and I'm going to shut the door. I don't know what we're going to do here, and I'm not sure i I know how to pray and you know my record and you know what I did yesterday. And you know that I, I, in the natural, I don't belong here. But what I'm convinced of is this. I'm not the old me. I'm a brand new creature in Christ Jesus. I have been created with a spiritual arsenal that the enemy fears will ever be brought out into full focus. So I'm crawling into that place of prayer. And I might not, listen, I might not feel anything the first day, but I'm going to keep the appointment. I might not feel anything the second day, but I'm going to keep the appointment on the third day I might feel a little bit, but I don't feel up. But I'm gonna keep the appointment. And you know what happens is we continue to come and we continue to speak and we continue to get into the presence of God and we just dig ditches. Think about that. Digging ditches is hard. Digging ditches, you don't get the job done right away. You've got to sweat, you've got to keep on pushing. You've got to keep on digging the dirt out, but eventually you create a space in that place of prayer that the water begins to come down from Edom. That's going to refresh your soul, refresh your family, refresh your church, and to the enemy it's going to look like the power of the blood of Jesus. Am I talking to anybody in here today that says it's time to dig a ditch? Let me tell you what I know. Listen, William J. Seymour doesn't even know I exist. Doesn't even, listen, he's in heaven. He might know I exist because he's in heaven. But when they were praying in that place, and listen, and I'm closing with this, 500 million people today blessed. Because 20 or 30 people said, we're hungry for more. History tells us that that those meetings, as they began to pray in that little house, it got so filled with 300 people that were coming, and they couldn't get in the house, and they were on the, on the little yard in front of it. At one point, they were shouting and dancing. The neighbors said, shouting and dancing for three days, and the foundation of that house fell in because of the number of people and the intensity of that prayer meeting that began to, you know what they, but you know what they were doing? They were digging a ditch. Let me close with this thought. We are called in 2020 to begin to dig some ditches for every soul that is in this area. I believe we're going to see a revival and a move of God in Columbus that's going to start to break forth. But you know why it's going to start to break forth? Because the people of God say, you know what, I'm going to pray for myself. But I'm not just praying my Father, I'm praying our Father, which art in heaven, your kingdom come, your will be done. Let your kingdom be done at the State House. Let your kingdom come at Ohio State University. Let your kingdom come at Pickerington High School. Let your kingdom come in Franklinton where the prostitutes are walking the street needing a touch of God where the Johns are coming down. Listen, spending their money on things they should. not Let your kingdom come. God, you know what I'm doing? I'm digging a ditch for the power of God to flow in the same way that it flowed from Bonnie Bray Street. I'm not just praying for this time, I'm praying for generations to come. The Holy Spirit said to me, Jack, last year, I'll never forget, he said it to me day after day. He said this, drawing me into deeper prayer. He said, I need your words. I said, What do you mean? He said, I need your words. Because my word can change things, but my word needs a voice of authority. So he said, Matt, when you begin to pray, even when you don't feel like it, begin to pray the blessing of God over your family. Begin to pray the blessing of God over your church. Begin to call each member out by name. Begin to call leaders in this city out by name. Don't just think about it, begin to call it out because my word needs a voice. The angels respond to the voice of the word, so I need your voice. And as I begin to pray and I begin to speak, I begin to see things happening more more readily as I begin to say, God, use my voice, use my words, help me dig a ditch. How many of you believe that today? Somebody say amen. I just got to quit. Anybody get anything out of this today? So here's what I want you to believe about you. How many of you are believers? How many are believers in Jesus? You are the temple of the Holy Spirit. On the days you feel it, on the days you don't. And so if I'm the temple of the Holy Spirit, I have the ability to have a space where I can create space that God can make a creative space. Amen. Amen. When Josiah was born, and we talk about it some when he was born, he was 10 days in the NIC unit. And there was a time we thought we might lose him. Um, you know, he was there, he turned blue and they had to poke all types of instruments into him and tubes so he could breathe. And, and what got us through that was a word. And I remember walking up and down in that hospital and, and I would take that word. Somebody had told us, you've named him Josiah. That means sustained by Jehovah. Yes. And so I grabbed onto that word and not thinking about the points of this message at the time, but looking back. By speaking that word, I was creating space that God could make a creative space. His lungs had collapsed. We weren't sure how that would affect him. Today, of course, you you heard him sing up here. So when you see him sing up here and he's doing his rock and roll stance and he's like belting it out, which I think is really cool because he's my kid, but what I'm reminded of is when he was born, his lungs collapsed. But through prayer, it created a space where the Spirit of God could do something creative for the purpose of God through his life. So, how many can already, God's been speaking to you this entire service about places he wants to bless in your life? Raise your hand if that's you spaces he wants to bless. Let's commit to dig some ditches. And here's what I'll commit. We'll teach and preach this as long as it takes. But I feel like the Holy Spirit's saying, slow this down and let's get into the word and let's begin to dig these places in our life. Now here's what I'll say to you as well. You should expect demonic resistance to your mind to a degree unlike you have ever had it. You say, well, that's negative. No, that's just the way it works. We wrestle, not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. Now, why would I say that? Because, listen, when we begin to move into the place he, hell, fears most, hell will attack. That's okay. We just press in stronger and eventually, victory breaks through in the natural. Amen? But how many of you will commit and say, you know what? I want God to do whatever it takes to increase my ability to pray at a higher degree. I, that's where I'm at. That's where I'm at. And so let's enter it together. Father, we thank you for your word, we thank you for your words. And Lord, we're just so hungry for you we approach prayer not legalistically. We know there's no amount of time that we have to pray, God. There's, We don't set a time clock and, and all of that stuff, but God, we do know that you want us to have a space, and for all of us, that will be different. The space might be in our car. It might be our commute. The space might be a time in the day when the babies are laid down. God, the space in the day might be the time when uh, we, we usually watch TV. whatever it is, God, we just say, speak to us about the space that you desire for us. God, we're not performing. We're, we're not competing. We're hungry after you. And so, Lord, we pray that you take this word and you make it your own in us. In Jesus' name. Everybody said it? Amen. Amen. Give God a hand if you want. <laughs> Amen. <clears throat> Let's pray one more prayer. for. You.